Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon, founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees, and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. Our team of JBD coaches support men and women to engage in divorce with more calm, clarity, and confidence through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Your energy level explanation really spoke to me. I have it right there on my bulletin board. Energetic self-perception is still up there. Um, yeah, and, and that sort of uh, framing of all of this really spoke to me. And like you talked a lot about how do you want to be in the world? And this is why I was drawn to you from the very beginning when I was listening to a ton of podcasts trying to understand, just get material to help me make this decision to leave my marriage. I was just listening to all these podcasts and I pretty quickly dismissed all of them except yours because you spoke about the spiritual approach to this event in our lives. And that's how I approach most things. It's like, what is the growth that I, well, what, yeah, what is this growth journey for me? And, and how can I do the best I can in this? So um, I feel like I could see that, that he was in pain and I was in pain and I, I don't, it's like as soon as the dust settled and I started exploring like, my feelings of abandonment by him in the marriage. I felt very, very abandoned. And I was doing therapy and trying to understand all this too. And then I was like, yeah, I love this person a lot. Welcome to Voices of Celebration. This series is designed to inspire and encourage you as we share real-life experiences of former Journey Beyond Divorce clients who invested in their personal growth through divorce and emerged a better version of themselves with a more rewarding post-divorce life. Welcome back to another episode of Voices of Celebration. Uh, We have with us today, Nicole, who is a former client of mine. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much for your willingness to be here and share a little bit of your story with us. Absolutely. I'm super excited. You know, people enter divorce in so many different ways. And so it's a great uh, starting place to just give our listeners some context to the conversation we're about to have. So can you just tell a little bit about how you um, found yourself facing divorce? Sure. Yeah. Um, So I was married for 16 years together for 18. Um, I would say the last five or five plus years were characterized by just extreme emotional disconnect, which sort of rippled out and affected everything else. Um, till in the end, we were just, I don't think anybody particularly wanted to try anymore when you've tried and tried and tried. Um, yeah. So it was just a, a series of unresolved conflict, building up of resentments, um, 
and sort of both of us needing very different things emotionally, um, which led to the divorce. Yeah. Yeah. And um, how would you define your divorce experience? Was it was it amicable? Was it high conflict? Mm -hmm. Was it how would you describe what that experience was like for you? It's funny because I think you used the word eviscerating. I think that was your word. And that is that was my experience, too. Um, Not high conflict, particularly in a sense of um, like lawyers and that kind of thing. Going through it, we we did mediation and going through it was truly eviscerating. Um, Having to make the decision to, you know, separate my family and all of that. Um, And it was, yeah, ridiculous stress, ridiculous um, and just emotionally yeah, eviscerating really. Um, but not high conflict in a sense of, um, like at this point a year, not even a year and a half out, we are very amicable talk every day are still helping each other process it in a lot of ways. So, um, so yeah, it wasn't, wasn't as bad as what I hear from a lot of people. Yeah. And so just for our listeners, you know, a high conflict divorce, um, typically, uh, how goes the marriage? How goes the divorce? How goes the co-parenting afterwards? And so what I'm hearing is that you guys uh, really got to a point where it just wasn't going to work. And then even amicable divorces have conflict because it's a divorce and there's mm-hmm. kids and there's money and there's houses. And yet post-divorce, not right away, but you found your way back to uh, what sounds like a fairly cooperative co-parenting. Yeah, I think it's about as good as it could be at this point. We still have, it's funny because we still get into the same patterns that we did when we were married with the things that trigger each other around parenting and stuff, but we are actually communicating better about it now than we did when we were married. So, yeah. So that's interesting. So so mm-hmm. let's go back to the beginning. Did, did, who decided? Me. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, uh, he's not a decision maker and I am. So um, that characterizes our personalities and our marriage. Yeah. And what what would you say um, just out of the gate were some of your greatest uh, fears entering into divorce? um, There was a lot. So I was deathly afraid of not seeing my children enough and the effect that it would have on them emotionally. That was my biggest fear by far. Um, And I also greatly feared not being able to stay in our house because um, we live in a very expensive area um, on the West coast of California. And it's um, basically to buy another house is, is you you can't, it's cost prohibitive at this point. So um, those two things were huge fears. Um, Another fear was, am I fundamentally flawed and unlovable? Because all the therapy we did, I'm very aware of all of the things I brought that were unskillful or my bad habits or ways that I'm difficult to be with. Like, very aware. Therapy (laughs) points out all that stuff. So, um, yeah, and I'm I'm very self-critical. So I'm um, I take all that very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. So those are really those are pretty um, 
typical fears, right, for most of us, the kids and how much time you're going to spend with them. And then your house meant something really important to you. So Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about the kids in in more detail. But a a big piece of your negotiation, if I remember correctly, was uh, around that financial piece in house. And um, and how was that 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 negotiating that you were in mediation, correct? In mediation. Yeah. And what we couldn't we got to the end of the mediation and, and, and couldn't agree. So we did, he, we almost went to court. It was close. I didn't want to, I didn't want to, but he was kind of pushing for that at one point. Um, and so, yeah, I ended up, um, basically having to trade a lot more assets than, um, what would have been given to keep the house. So I did keep the house and I'm such a homebody. I'm so grounded in my house that that this was just, I mean, like my, my gratitude to <laughs> is just tremendous with the way this worked out. Yeah. Right. right. And mm-hmm. you really had to make some difficult decisions about like almost being house rich and cash poor the way oh, I, that. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's what I am. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And, and yet I'm hearing grateful at the same time. Oh, totally grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I, I vaguely recall when you first reached out, you were in those early stages of negotiations and there were certain things that um, that were keeping you stuck that were on an emotional level. So mm-hmm. you were one of the things I recall was that you couldn't understand your ex's perspective. Like mm-hmm. you were really stuck in here's a man who's always been kind and generous and and you felt like he was treating you so differently. Can you share a little bit about that part of the journey for you? Yeah, yeah. It was really hard for me to understand. Um, my perspective going into it was, let's just split up everything so that we can both have a house, basically. And he presented in a way that I never expected with um, what I perceived to be um, being really unfair toward me and ungenerous and, um, not caring what happened to me, which was not how I would characterize him at all. Um, he's a really good human and very generous and would give people the shirt off his back. Um, and he, you helped me understand that he was coming at this from just such a fear-based position and that nobody presents as their best self in these in this most stressful of life circumstances, basically, that that I couldn't I was basically kind of taking it personally. Well, of course, it was personal, but and he was super, super, super angry with me, too, and hurt. He's just he's hurt. He, he, he's still hurt. We talked about it a lot over Christmas. And um, yeah. So, um, yeah, just understanding how this deeply affects people, this, the level of stress in this, in this divorce situation affects people. And I've known this man for 20 years and I've never seen him act like this. It's like, you see sides of people you don't expect. Yes. And it was just coming from a place of fear and anger on his part. And my recollection is no matter what, um, experts like financial experts or, uh, appraisal experts, no matter what people you had speak to him about, the numbers that his fear story mm-hmm. of what he needed and what he absolutely had to have was um, 
he couldn't dislodge himself from that, no matter what no. facts you presented. And that put you in a position where do you, can you can you describe what that was like to know that he was really lodged into something that wasn't true, but it was almost the only path to negotiate and settle? Yeah, like even so he's a scientist. He's a, you know, veterinarian and his um, very black and white linear male thinker and the logic <laughs> with which he was approaching this was missing. Like it was, it was so, there's nothing so hard to comprehend. Like how is this person I know so well approaching it like this? So yeah, you helped me. Oh, I remember there was this one day we were talking about all this and yeah, just me not going in like a bull in a China shop, which is sometimes what I tend to do. And so like reining all that energy in and, and approaching it more softly and stuff, which speaks to him more. Um, so yeah, you helped me tremendously through all that. Yeah. And, and if I recall a big piece for you was just coming to terms with the fact that, um, if I, I think what you were saying is what would be fair is the house and at least some money in my pocket. And I had, you had to come to terms with the fact that if you get the house, you basically walk away from all assets and, Mm -hmm. And and for you that 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 stepping into that level of acceptance, even though it wasn't log- it didn't make logical sense. Can you talk a little bit about how that was for you? What that mm-hmm. what that piece of the journey was for you? Yeah, like that was what I had to do was walk away from all assets. Like, and for me, I'm such a I'm a I'm a good money manager, and I'm I I know how to do that. And um, at the, one of the very end meetings. Um, after we had, he had agreed to give me the house and we'd agreed to all these terms with the division of everything. And he, I said, well, can I have $10,000 so that I have some money in the bank? And he said, no. And I, I like he, <laughs> the way he knows me not having any money in the bank, like that freaks me out completely because I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm a saver. Yeah. And I mean, I, I had the capacity to work and make money. I have a, I have a career, but, um, just the fact that he wouldn't give me $10,000, like that was very, very hard to swallow. And yeah. um, we, we've we never actually talked about that. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll bring it up later at some point, probably. But I just, it, it, it blew my mind that he wouldn't do that for me. And we, and we didn't, yeah, we didn't speak. He wouldn't speak to me for a number, a lot of months after um, he moved out and everything. He wouldn't speak to me at all. And that was really painful for me too, because I was, well, we needed to speak for one thing about kids and all. He would speak to me as little as he possibly could. He wouldn't engage at all. And um, it's much better now, but yeah, yeah. But yeah I, well, had to, I had to accept it. I had to accept it. I don't know how I did it. I just, yeah, I don't want to hold well, on re- to anger. And I remember us talking a lot about the, um, the emotional uh, energy levels and how mm-hmm. he was so, he was very stuck in, in very often in that kind of victim energy, but also conflict and you, and I have to just acknowledge you for this, the, from the very first time we met, um, your desire was to be levitating up. Your desire mm-hmm. was, how do I, how do I do this with compassion? How do I find my way to forgiveness. And, and so that piece where he was so angry and not talking to you, you got your house, but like, we're pretty much penniless. Um, 
How was that for you? Uh, what what was the growth trajectory for you in that piece of trying to hold on to your value of forgiveness and compassion in the midst of all of that? Um, yeah, your energy, your energy level explanation really spoke to me. I have it right there on my bulletin board. Energetic self perception is still up there. Um, yeah, and and that sort of, uh, framing of all of this really spoke to me. And like, you talked a lot about how do you want to be in the world? And this is why I was drawn to you from the very beginning when I was listening to a ton of podcasts, trying to understand, just get material to help me make this decision to leave my marriage. I was just listening to all these podcasts and I pretty quickly dismissed all of them except yours because you spoke about the spiritual approach to this event in our lives. And that's how I approach most things. It's like, what is the growth that I, well, what, yeah, what is this growth journey for me and and how can I do the best I can in this? So um, I feel like I could see that, that he was in pain and I was in pain and I, I don't, it's like, as soon as the dust settled and I started exploring like my feelings of abandonment by him in the marriage, I felt very, very abandoned. And I was doing therapy and trying to understand all this too. And then I was like, yeah, I love this person a lot. And, and everyone's like, Oh, that's so great. You want to have a good relationship with him for the kids. And I kept saying, no, that's not it. Like, I love this person a lot. We've been together basically our whole adult lives. I don't think you're an adult in your twenties. I met him when I was 28. So, um, I was like, no, I'm gonna, and I see him in the victim. I see him victim and he still is this far out. And I'm trying to help him with that. We talked a lot over Christmas and I, I don't want him to be suffering in life. And so I, I, I don't know how I did it. I just kind of let go of some of that anger. I'm sure it's still in there. It's still in there. When we trigger each other, we get really mad at each other still, but, um, but I don't want him to suffer. And I, I, I bring him a chai at work sometimes just stop by and we talk and, um, yeah. So I just saw that, that it was suffering, I think for him. And you helped me see that. Yeah. And like, so how do I want to be? That yeah. This is it. How do I want to be? Yeah. And that's the, and that's what I was going to ask you. Can you share a little bit, like, what was your growth trajectory? What were the things that you noticed that um, this, this, this crucible of divorce actually helped you refine or heal? Mm-hmm. You've been listening to our podcast, Getting Educated, Regulating Your Emotional Reactions, and it's been really helpful. Yet you know you could do better, be better, and you're wanting and needing more support. That's where our coaching service is a game changer. We're here for you when you need us the most, ensuring you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you to be more effective. Our free rapid relief call helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call today.
tend to be very self-critical um, and hard on myself. And this is kind of, I, I'm not, I'm not there yet with this one at all. It's lifelong, I think, but seeing, you know, not blaming myself, seeing that this was a dynamic that was caused over all these years and I'm not responsible. I mean, of course, you know that logically I'm not responsible for it solely, of course, but seeing that this was that maybe I can lighten up on myself for some of this and um, not flagellate myself indefinitely for this biggest failure that there is, which dividing my family up, you know, it's like, um, but I also, another thing was listening to my gut, like, and I'm, I'm pretty analytical. And so I, I haven't always been good at that, but when I knew that it was time to get divorced, I knew, and I couldn't unknow it. And I, then did it, but I had been trying to figure that out for years. So mm. that was kind of something to listening to myself on like a deeper level. And then a lot of what I've been working on the last couple of years is like calming my own anxiety mm. um, about all this. Cause I still, you know, I still sleep poorly and I wake up not all the time, but I wake up at four and tend to think about every potential problem that exists in the universe, you know? Um, and so it's like calming myself down my nervous system through breathing, through yoga, all these things I've really worked on, um, this year and how to really kind of self-regulate all that. Um, yeah. yeah. So those are just some things that come to mind. Yeah. So I'm hearing that you, you always had that kind of self-growth mentality and yet mm -hmm. the divorce, which brings us all to our knees in mm -hmm. one way or another, allowed you to grow deeper into some of those, like, like the intuitive hits and actually listening to the intuition and, and taking care of yourself. And one of the things I remember was you talking about your, um, your monkey mind and your tendency mm -hmm. to ruminate. Um, oh, I yeah. know we coached a lot around that. And I, I think that too, habits like that, um, you know, they're, they're not, broken in a year or two. Um, so I'm not going to ask you, like, have you arrived? But the question is, what's the what's the development and growth that um, that you see on that part of it, that obsessing or that ruminating um, that you experienced? Yeah. I'm just kind of that way. <laughs> um, I yeah, I'm not I haven't arrived yet at the the answer to that one but i know that in times of intense stress that's what i do more because i'm trying to figure it out trying to figure out the answers and there i know right. logically there aren't necessarily things that can be figured out at that point so it's kind of like you know redirect do something physical i, I get that it's energetic often and if you change your energy your energetic state in your body by moving and that kind of thing that that helps a lot and i i sometimes remember that and i sometimes don't but um yeah um well, I also learned some things that were interesting. Um, I think after I, after I worked with you, I learned some things that were more somatic things. Um, I don't know if you want to go into that, but calming yourself down physically instead of trying, because I always think I can think my way out of everything, which is, I know it's not true, but um, yeah. So I, I'm kind of learning about some different modalities now that have yeah. helped me that I had no idea about before. Yeah. And I, I know that neurosomatic work is really very powerful in that, that nerve body and just cutting the, the charge inside of us. So, so congratulations. Good for that. 
Let, let's talk a little bit about your kids. So you had said in the beginning, as with so many parents, the fear of not seeing them. And so you went through a bit of a journey too uh, with yeah. your kids from the beginning to now. Can you share a little bit of what that was and maybe what came out of it that's been good for you? Yeah. So he was very adamant um, about 50-50 custody and like a week on a week off kind of thing in the beginning. And I was horrified by that. I have, my son is now 13, my younger one, and my daughter is 16. And the idea of not seeing them for that long literally put me in this anxiety state that I couldn't even um, like control barely in the beginning. And so, um, and just not knowing what was going on with my son's GI issues and like, you know, everything, everything. I'm the mom, you know? So it's, that was just horrendous for me. And as it worked out, my ex-husband has a work schedule where when he is at work, he's there for 11 hours and I can barely even take phone calls and stuff. And so he works basically sporadically. He works like a couple days in a row and then there's another day, two days later. And it's all over the, it's kind of, it's the same schedule every week, but it's all over the place. So basically what ended up happening is that we have kind of a three, four day schedule where they're with me four nights and with him three nights. And it's based around his work schedule. So even the days that he has them for his three nights, I actually see them those days, except for one day because they can't get to school. He has to be at work too early. So they come to my house in the morning and I take them to school. So it's like, there's only two, the, ma the maximum amount of time I don't see them is two days. <laughs> wow! And so it's worked out where you just have that little touchstone in the morning of seeing, see him before school. It's just a half hour or whatever, but it's like, you know, um, and I'm self-employed. So my schedule is really flexible. So, I mean, the way it worked out and then, you know, if I have plans on Saturday and I'm supposed to have kids, I'll ask him, Hey, can you take them this, that fourth night is a little bit flexible because he realizes I'm with them more and he, he wants it to be fair or whatever. He wants me to have a life too. So it's like, if I, need him to take them that day. He will often, if I ask in advance, he doesn't have plans. And so that kind of thing, um, it, I mean, it's worked out as well as it possibly could, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that sounds wonderful. Yeah. So I, I feel in no way, like I don't know what's going on with them at any point. And my son, yeah. the younger one calls me before bed every night without fail when he's with his dad and he calls his dad when he's with me because he wants to still connect. He he's struggled more with this for sure. So, um, but he misses the other one when he's not with the other one, which is very painful to see. Um, but he, he is adapting and he's adapting more because we are not antagonistic. He sees us together. We, I, I walk in his house, we sit there and have tea, you know? So the kids see that. And that's, I was told that from the beginning that if you could, show the kids a non-antagonistic relationship. We still do all the holidays together, um, that kind of thing. And so they're happy about that. The kids are happy, very happy about that. Yeah. And that's amazing. I mean, I think that with a lot of amicable divorces, people can't get to that place with high conflict divorces. They can't, but you know, that's you're you're working with a personality that doesn't allow for it. But for you guys to both have, um, honored each other, honored the kids' needs, and found your way back to a friendship almost um, while having this, you know, co-parenting relationship. That's that's pretty special, and your children are very lucky. 
Yeah. And I want it to be even more of a friendship than it is. Like he still holds me at arm's length to some extent. And we talked about this over the holidays. He doesn't really want to let me in emotionally because he's too vulnerable and it's not safe. And, um, but I think that we'll get there more with time because I want him in my life the rest of my life, you know? Beautiful. Yeah. So you were saying that um, you were look, listening to a lot of podcasts. You found our podcast. Uh, what what made you go from from listening to reaching out for support? Um, I was just such a hot mess. <laughs> I needed I needed all the help I could get. <laughs> and your approach, I mean, every time I listen to you, it just spoke to me so much. The way the framework with which you placed all these issues spoke to me so much. So I did the, your, uh, 30 minute or whatever, your free, your free call. Pretty and then I was hooked. It cre- yeah, yeah. And I was hooked. And actually I didn't have any money <laughs> as you know, um, for your services and a good friend of mine who recently got divorced also from a very wealthy man paid for my time with you. Yeah. yeah. She's a good friend from elementary school. So that was like a gift she gave me. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That was huge. And that speaks huge. volumes about that friend and that friendship. Yeah. So we've talked about the house. We've talked about the kids. Um, how a, a lot of people, you didn't mention this, but a lot of people and especially a lot of women will say that they fear being alone after mm-hmm. the divorce. And so do you feel comfortable talking a little bit about what your experience has been um, and was sure. that even a fear of yours? Oh yeah. Um, it's a fear because, um, it definitely was a fear. So I have, I think some abandonment issues. My dad died very suddenly when I was 13 and my parents had a beautiful marriage. And so I, I know I've struggled with kind of this, this affects you the rest of your life, of course. And then I felt very abandoned by my husband in my marriage emotionally, like he, he wasn't there. He was there physically, but he wasn't there emotionally at all for years and years and years. Um, I always said it was kind of like being married to a stump. Um, (laughs) so (laughs) the way it was explained to me is like, well, you could leave this thing where you're getting some little crumbs of, of connection, or you could be brave and, you know, but you do have to accept that if you do leave them, you may or may not find your spiritual partner that you've always wanted. You may or may not. So you do have to wrap your mind around that. Um, so that was, yeah, it was a fear for me. And I know I'm someone who, um, and my mom says, I did this even when I was a little kid, when I want something, I'm like a pit bull. Like I will get it. Like I will make, I will make the universe. I will manifest it if you want to use those terms, but I will want something so badly that I, I usually do get it in my life. So it's like, I know that about myself. And so logically there isn't, there isn't fear. There isn't a reason to have fear about being alone, but there is a lot of, what I found now like dating is that there's a whole nother set of issues in people this age. Like how do you negotiate when so busy with their careers and they have baggage from their marriage and how do you negotiate like kids and time with kids or people without kids have a, a totally different paradigm. They don't understand this thing that's immense in your life. So, so it's very tricky. So I haven't, I haven't quite, um, I don't know. I don't know the answers to any of this, but, but I, I am dating and I feel like 
I don't have that same level of fear as I did before for whatever reason. I, I don't know. I just, I just don't like I, men have kind of come out of the woodwork too. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> I don't know if it's an energetic thing. Like, well, obviously I don't have a ring on, but men don't, I don't know if men notice that anyway, but you know, yeah, they kind of come out of the woodwork to some extent. It's interesting. What would you say has been, um, a lot of people are very resistant to dating after being married for 20, 30, 40 years, which is understandable. So here you've had a couple of experiences, um, and I'm hearing that you're noticing the different issues. Uh, is there anything about just yourself in new relationship that is, um, uh, new awareness for you or new growth for you? Um, Oh yeah. So, um, well, for, first of all, I'm very aware that I bring the same, um, patterns that I did to my husband, to other people, I'm very aware. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been discussed. Um, especially with one, one person that I'm doing this and that and the other, and it, it like, I shouldn't do these things. It's unskillful. And I'm like, okay, I got it. I got to get a grip on this stuff. I'm doing the same thing. Of course, we're still ourselves. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I dated someone who was an opportunistic liar. That was my first experience after my divorce, pretty quickly after my divorce or after separation, divorce wasn't final, but um, yeah. And I understood that I was just so vulnerable and kind of a hot mess that that's what I drew at that point. And mm. um, he was just a, a monster of a human and under the guise sort of uh, in this, in this veil of being like a spiritual conscious guy a yoga guy and all this, just a, a disaster of an experience. Um, but I totally understood that, that I drew that now I understand that's what I drew because energetically I was such a, I was just a hot mess. So, right. um, so it is true that I think all of this stuff takes a lot longer to process than we think it does and reach regain equilibrium. And I'm just, you know, a year out or a little over a year. So it's like, I'm not there yet, but but I do think that I'm drawing better things now than I did in the beginning because of my, I don't know, my state now is more balanced a bit. Yeah, yeah I can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've had um, really, I mean, you're, you're just a little over a year out. And so you, you guys did a pretty amazing job with where you are with the kids and you're out dating and you're learning things about yourself and you grew through your divorce. Most people, as they enter divorce, it's like, you know, this is, this is going to be devastating. This is going to be horrendous. And, you know, they can't see the light at the other end of the tunnel. And so I would really just like to invite you as we begin to wrap up um, to share any words of uh, encouragement or wisdom or hope that you have with our listeners from where you were to where you are now. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't think I was going to be okay. You said I was going to be okay. All your podcasts said that my mom, who I'm very close with kept saying, you're, you're going to be okay. And I would hear those words and I would think there's no way that with how I feel now, I'm going to be okay. Like I just, I couldn't know that that was true because the depth of despair and, and evisceration is so great across so many areas of your life, not just like your, your self-esteem and your ability to, to, to your, and I think our relationships are the most important thing. So it's like, if I got an F on this huge one, like, you know, but that's my, that's my self-critic. But, um, so if I, 
you know, my, I'm, you're kind of devastated in terms of your own ability to work this thing out. That is, that is so valued and revered in our culture. I, I committed to this person and now I'm backing out. Like, what does that mean mm-hmm. about me? You know, so there's that. And then how it's going to affect the kids and financially and what's going to happen to me emotionally. Am I going to be alone? All these things, you know? And so when people tell you, you're going to be okay. You don't believe it. It just yeah. doesn't ring true. Um, but it is true. It actually is true. You just, you just have to listen to the people who know more about the topic than you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, and yeah, I, I'm a big, go ahead. No, you go. I was just going to say, I'm a big fan of reaching out to people in general in my life. Now at this point of like, we've all been in our careers for 20 years or whatever, like reaching out to people who know more about a topic than I do, because I realize I don't know about these topics. So it's like, find all the resources that can help you. So if it's a matter of like, podcast, hiring Karen, you know, all these things. I just want to get the most support I can. And it, and it did all the forms of support that I got were very helpful collectively. You know, the confluence of all of those things were, I think what sort of really helped me arrive. Not that I've arrived. I'm not going to say that, you know, but, but yeah. Well, I'll say none of us arrive. We all just yeah. do the best we can until we meet our maker. Um, yes. And and I think that your words of wisdom are really valuable. For those of you who've been listening, we've got dozens of voices of celebration and none of them thought they would be okay. Mm-hmm. And every one of them talk about the growth and the treasures and the possibility in their new life. And so I just want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and sharing a little hope and encouragement for our listeners who aren't quite as far along as you are. Yeah. Thank you, Karen. If I can help anybody with what I've been through, I'm, I feel like that's my, that's my, I'm obligated to, and I want to. So I hope that I hope it helps somebody. It absolutely will. And thank you so much. Thank you. And we'll be back again with another episode of Voices of Celebration real soon. Until then, you take care. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.